You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Advokta. This is Murps, and we have uh, another very special guest, a returnee to the Light Forge Podcast. Really needs no introduction, which makes it a lot easier for me. But welcome back, Shady Bunny. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. It's good to be back. You know, Shady, I was talking to you before we started recording, and I believe this is the first Light Forge you've been on for BGs, right? Yeah, it is. And so Shady, who has been with us since the early days, since the Poltronizer, since <laughs> just going through arena meta, meta after arena meta with us, is now back to talk about BGs. And BGs was something that I know you picked up a little bit later than a lot of the other streamers, right? Yeah, I pretty much started playing seriously during the spell meta, but I did like semi-seriously before, like I played during the Drunk Vault meta, and I came back, I think, when dragons were introduced, but I never really pushed, pushed, and this is the first time I'm pushing, or I'm really playing a lot. Yeah, this is the first time that you're really pushing, and in typical Shady fashion, he's just crushing it right now. He's playing both on uh, NA and EU, and I think you are within like the top 100 on EU and top 50 on NA, uh, and you've just been spamming both, doing the thing that you always do, which is methodical gameplay. Uh, if you guys don't watch Shady's channel, you can go there, and I think right now he's probably the best person to learn from because he's always talking out his plays. I don't know if it's necessary for chat, but you just kind of like to talk it out for yourself as well. And then chat gets to benefit. And I've been watching a lot of your streams, so I have gotten to benefit from it. And part of the reason I want to get you on, uh, well, part of the reason is because, you know, we, we always enjoy having you on. But another part mm -hmm. of the reason is because I think you have one of the most unique play styles when it comes to BGs right now. I watch a lot of streamers. I watch... I mean, just to name uh, some off the top of my head, uh, I watch Victor or Sunbacon Relaxer. I, I can't, I still can't. It's been He's still Victor. So long. He didn't change his actual name. He changed 12 wins. The man is still named Victor. No, but Sunbacon Relaxer. Come on. Okay, so uh, I, I watch Victor. Uh, I watch Dog, Slissa, Sun Glitters. Um, I, I, I watch like quite a few. And then, you know, every once in a while, I'll also watch. Uh, people like Wobble, uh, and your playstyle, Shady, I, I, you can categorize it after I categorize it and tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think you have a very polarized playstyle, as in more polarized than these other high leaderboard streamers that I see in which you more often than not put yourself in one of two camps. Either you, you kind of sit down be realistic and you're, you're saying, okay, like it's about gold efficiency. It's about knowing my place. I didn't start with a good hero. Here are my options. Here are my outs. It's, it's just about gold efficiency. I'm going to take that, you know, like minus five plus 13 and, and just really grind it out. And if the opportunity presents itself, whether through a good hero or through good luck, maybe both, 
that's when you go for it. And that's a high percentage risk that you take. And then you, you get that plus 90 MMR. And from watching you a lot in these weeks, that's sort of how you've made this huge climb. You've really climbed up the leaderboards by doing that. And I think you do this a lot more than other streamers that I see. Do, do you think my categorization is correct or? would you like to add something to that no i th- i think it makes a lot of sense I, I pretty much just bide my time just wait 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 there's a top hero let's go <laughs> or like oh this is the nuts oh we get a really early triple right so it's it's very very patient and then i, I think in in terms of just bad heroes like for instance like mukla like oh anyone's like oh man like oh this is like no hero i'm like mukla's perfectly fine right it's like the way i play him because like he curves straight into taunt like crazy like very well so I, I think i do really well with bad heroes compared to other streamers where they just get like well i guess i just need to go all in and just hit and i was like no i mean you can like top three top two with that unless you get you know really bad rng and I think your attitude is very well suited for this meta because uh, part of the reason that I'm not playing these days and and I think something that frustrates uh, quite a few people. For example, I've heard Dreads complain about this literally every five minutes when he plays BGs, but that's just what the man does. Um, He's very frustrated and I'm, I'm kind of frustrated as well by the disparity in not just like the quote bad heroes, but kind of like the not fun heroes as the the public would um kind of categorize and i think what you do is you just accept it you're very zen about it and from the very beginning you're just like okay if i if i have a syndragosa if i have a mukla like just by the percentages i have to play differently and i have to plan differently everything is different from the very beginning and that's fine, right? And, and it's like, I can dream, but like, I have to understand that only 5% of my like Syndragosa games or whatever the percentage is are, are, are going to get me into that like, you know, first place or, or even like be competitive within the top two. And I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm going to go into the, try to get into the top four. Maybe I can survive to be in the top three. And then that's fine because, hey, I have Syndragosa here. And I, as for me, I literally never see anyone else play Sindragosa, and I've seen you play it, I don't know, like four or five times in just the streams that I've watched recently, which is four to five times more than I've seen with literally every other streamer that I watch. Yeah, Cindy is interesting to me because she just, she is amazing at protecting a life total early, where, I mean, without going too in-depth, you have like two lines where you either go to three on five gold or you don't if you go to three on five gold you take a little bit more damage but you usually start with a token or a swabby and then you have the advantage that you might be able to freeze a shield on three and then it gets really good or you just you know freeze buy two strong things on five gold then keep freezing buy two 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 more strong things on six gold and then you're i guess the, the reason why i like it is you don't have to just buy the first thing you see on tier four just to stabilize because you already have big things and i could just browse i could be like no 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 that's an arm no 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 that's a harbinger and i could just like grab the taunt pieces straight away as if you're playing a different hero you might not be able to browse as much because you're going to be taking a lot of damage but now i have like i don't know like a nine health homunculus on the board or something stupid because i may be frozen overseer along with it and just that that will carry you for a little bit yeah, I've definitely learned a lot from <laughs> from your streams about 
Taunt, I would say all of my knowledge of Taunt Comp has been from watching you and lurking in your streams. And I think you've ha uh, had some cool innovations that, once again, I don't really see many other people doing. For example, Taunt Comp as in Karaji Cheese with Imp Mama. That, oh, <laughs> the first time I saw you kind of not just doing it it was like after you had already discovered it and figured out the nuances and i saw you aiming for it and doing this i was like what the heck is this stupid cheesy comp <laughs> and of course like after i saw it in action it made total sense okay first of all shady can you explain what this is kind of the origins of how you figured it out and why chat should consider playing it yeah so harbinger is just so much immediate power uh, your board is not going to change almost like four or five turns in a row a lot of the time because you're just rolling for very specific units but the basic premise is you have a soaker on the far left a soaker is a divine shield or just any minion that is not going to die it's going to stay there right so pretty much a divine shield and then you're going to play a lot of the time taunt reborn or death rattle taunt so pretty much void lord or acolyte of Cthulhu. And then you're going to have Harbinger in the back and maybe another good buff target in between some more taunts, like a Battlemaster or an Imbama or, you know, another Divine Shield. And what happens is every time a taunt dies, if you have two Harbingers on the board, it's going to give plus eight plus eight total. Four to one side, four to another side. So that ramps up crazy fast, especially if your Soaker is a Deflecto, because then your Deflecto is then going to regain its Divine Shield from one of your other taunts that has a reset on it, such as like a Micro Mummy with a Divine Shield on it. And yeah, you just keep beating people for a very long time. They need they need crazy amount of stats or cleave. It's very weak to cleave, you know, like disclaimer. If you get cleaved, oof, that's just <laughs> bam, because you lose so many buffs because things die at the same time and then it pro doesn't properly add. Uh, but yeah, if, if you do well with that and you can triple, let's say, your Harbinger into a 6-drop and you get Imp Mama, it just keeps itself, the Mama just keeps herself alive because she, uh, you put her in between, say, two Acolytes so that she gets maximum start health, right? And then you hope that she doesn't run into either a huge minion or a poison. She survives that hit, she spawns a taunt, sometimes a Void Lord, then that taunt dies, then heals the mama you buff again plus whatever's on the other side uh because the taunts will still buff two sides and you can just you know you can have these crazy crazy fights where your imp mama takes three to four hits and just keep spawning taunt like if it hits into a one one the opponent's just like oh my god i'm just dead right you just see all the taunts uh, come on take it from me guys i've i've seen shady pull this off quite a few times and once again this is something that i don't see anyone else doing period and i think part of it comes from shady's uh increased willingness to set it up go for arm karaji plays i've i've been calling shady like the king of taunt comp and we'll go more in depth on general taunt comp stuff later on but um i think the imp mama uh kind of um innovation is very interesting because it has shades of that gold uh that like you know parrot beast comp where it looks very small going into battle like you have the 610 imp mama and i've seen battles where by the end it's like a 40 attack plus imp mama uh, and it's buffing everything as well it's not just the imp mama getting buffed it's like everything on the board just like growing and growing and then spawning more taunts and just really annoying and 
if at the beginning of the battle you looked at it, I think a lot of people would judge and say, there's no way that comp is winning, but uh, it just always does. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like When people see it for the first time, it's like, I can't believe that you're like top three with this crap, right? Like, what do you do? Like, or that's another thing. Like, whenever you see the Acolyte triple, I just like roll past it immediately because it's just very inefficient to buy it unless, you know, you have like an extra Acolyte banked up and you're specifically shooting for Mama. It's like, why aren't you tripling? It's like, I just want to keep two tier one minions on my board because they're good at buffing. Mm. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Taunt Comp. I want this episode and for a good portion of it for for all the the um our listeners our eager listeners who i'm sure love taunt comp everyone's favorite composition in bgs to come out of this and being like wow i completely understand the nuances of taunt comp and i think for all right don't don't tune away guys okay because some of you guys are going resident sleeper here people leaving they don't want any of this but shady has been just rocketing up the leaderboards and this is a huge reason why and i think part of it comes from this public perception uh which is wrong and shady sometimes i see it in your chat as well where people are just like okay well yeah like obviously i know that taunt comp is useful but you try to transition out of that as fast as you can into an quote actual winning comp how many times have you seen that come on how many times yeah it's it's a lot of it like back when in the spell meta when juggler was kind of a, like right now juggler is a lot weaker due to like the insane stats piggies make um but people are like all right when are we transitioning like we're not because if, <laughs> if you transition out of this you transition into the next game like you do not have you know unless you somehow have like brand golden mirrors on the million callies or something you know you're not getting just out of taunt comp. that's not happening yeah so let's talk about the setup or the the ramp into taunt comp because i think that is one of those things where people mess up and if you look at hs replay stats taunt comp has like the lowest win rates and this is why a lot of people when uh when i was actually playing bgs they, they would say it's like merps um i don't understand it's like you keep saying taunt comp is good and is very useful but the win rates say it's trash and i'm just like well of course it's like it's one of those that people fall into too late right so the stats are capturing all these people who are desperately trying to live and then at the very last turn they pick up the arm and uh, a harbinger and they're like come on baby one more turn and then of course they die and then hs replay says oh you were Tom comp and Tom comp now sucks so there's a lot of people who have that experience and they take away from it well Tom comp sucks and a lot of it is because they didn't have the mindset to really set themselves up for success so how do you do it like at what point do you start thinking of taunt comp and can you give us like a few examples of of ways that you start to kind of prep for this so it starts at champion selection honestly right like i i look at which uh which types are in shields are incredibly important so mechs are, is the most important type for uh being i think it just in general you you look at your heroes and if you do not have a top tier hero you already want to lean taunt comp a little bit because it's such a good tier four strategy. And whenever 
I'm not playing a very strong hero. I don't really like leveling past tier four unless I have the nuts, right? You get the very early triple, you somehow protected your health, and you say, all right, let's go for a six, let's get flat tusk. But that is most of the time when you're playing a strong hero. When you're playing a weaker hero, let's say a tier three or bottom tier two hero, it is oftentimes very difficult to get that six drop and then have the health to actually use it. So it starts at the gem, at the hero selection, you evaluate the strength of your hero. And then you look at the types that are in. Like I mentioned, shields are very, very good for taunt comp. Uh, there's, there's different variations, of course, but when we talk about taunt comp for now, we'll, we'll call it just arm, right? Like that's the arm comp, the other one's the harbinger comp. So for arm taunt comp, you taunt up divine shields and then they get a lot of attack and then you have various other things you can do to um, increase the, the strength of that comp. So it really starts there where you want to see, okay, how many shields do I have in? Usually if mechs are in, that alone is enough, but of course more shield, more better in that case. You know, um, the, the elemental is the weakest one just because that one, you really need to put it in the back. You never want that to ever attack because it kills itself off with the Wind Fury and then the arms can buff it. Um, and then of course, like Bolvar is always in there. So yeah, it starts at hero selection, then early game, you see if you have pairs to see, okay, can I high roll? If you don't have pairs, I pretty much just go into tier four and I just start looking. I'm, and then I'm pretty much just looking for either a Harbinger setup, which is the Taunt Reborn we talked about, or an Arm setup, which is, can I find an Arm? Can I find an Argus? Can I find Divine Shield? You can play just, you know, something like a Deflecto and then a Module on a Reset, and you can play that for several turns, and then you hit an Army, like, ding, all right, and then it's just, you know, you could start with one Taunt, and then you have a Deflecto on your board, suddenly you find an Argus, you can Taunt that Deflecto now, because you have an Arm, there is value in it. And that's probably the most powerful version of Taunt Comp as well, is when you have Taunt at Deflectos because your shields can then get reset by your other Taunt's dying. I think that's really interesting that, like, and for some people, uh, they, don't, they don't play like that because they're not thinking of it. And for other people, they don't play like that because they just don't want to. Like, they don't want to admit... As soon as the character selection screen comes up, they're like, all right, uh, time to just play for like fourth place, which I know is Adulta is sitting there and who hasn't That's talked every yet. Every single hero <laughs> can get fourth place. Isn't that the point of the game? Adulta gets a hook tusk and he's like fourth baby Fifth let's place. go for four oh, oh that's that's really going for it <laughs> uh adukta somehow gets Maev to come back he's like best fourth place hero let's go <laughs> <laughs> but this is my question so how how do you get to um like what percent of your non-tier one tier two heroes end up in shield comp when you're playing like to maximize uh, your your mmr game so if we're going off hs replay that would be just Honestly, it's it's so dependent on the minion types, because if I have all the regions, like all the pieces for taunt comp, mm -hmm. I will pretty much always play it, unless of course Bob tells me like you can't here. There's <laughs> that. There's, okay, so when we talk about taunt comp, like I can't, I can't obviously always play taunt comp, but there are. I'm very accustomed to tier four strategies, right? You can play ground shaker on tier four. Mm -hmm. You can play harbinger on tier four. You can play pure mech on tier four. 
You can play Arm on Tier 4 with or without Deflectos. You can play kind of like Poison Scammy, right? You can squeeze that in there. If Murlocs are in, you're a Lich King. You know, not right now because he's out. But you get an early Selfless. You reborn that. You reborn some Poisoned Murlocs or a bit of a hybrid where you have some taunts that are high attack with the Arm. And then one or two poisons that you revive. So it's not always just taunt comp, but it's more a mindset of am I going to level to five or not? Because for me, I usually like to level to five if I can triple into a six early. If I can't triple early, a lot of the time I just I'm not going to five because it's just a waste of gold. I'm gonna skip a turn. And the people that hit their flat tusk three turns ago, it doesn't matter if I have my flat tusk now. Unless I have a shaker, right? Then it's fine. I can buff, I can do something, but I'm not going to catch up. That's the basic mindset, is even if I can triple into a six three turns after day half, I'm not going to do it. It's not worth the gold, it's not worth the resource, I'm not going to switch my comp, because I'm not going to be as big as they. I can't beat them at their own game. I need to beat them with my game, which is just pure cheese. Pure cheese. I love it. But it, it is very much so your play style, very much the way you think and approach the game, whether it was in Arena, KW. Or it is now in BGs in which it's like, all right, very methodical, very much so breaking down. What does this mean? How does this help us? How could it like, you know, how does this potentially set us up for the future? And I think something that people don't understand when they watch your stream. And once again, I see it in the chat sometimes is you stay on tier four and sometimes this will happen where you're rolling on tier four. You're explaining sort of what you're looking for as well. But you go minus 10, right? Like on tier four. And people are just like, dude, why didn't you just level to five? And this isn't even when uh, tier five costs like eight or seven gold. This is when tier five costs like four gold, right? And they're still like, dude, shady, man. It's like, I, like, come on. I know you're top 50, but like that, that was a boneheaded play. Why didn't you go to five? And, and this is one of those things where... Um, I think a lot of people just see it's like higher tier equals more good. Higher tier minions equals more good. More you good. Can buff all your taunts. Like yeah. Plus two plus two. Oh man. Oh yeah. Of course. People make the strong shell argument a lot, which I know you've heard as well. Um, but yeah, I think this is all just one of those things where people have to recognize if you're behind, BGs is a game in which it's so hard for you to come back right if people have gotten the whatever super scaling uh that is currently meta right um if they have the super scaling it's pretty hard for you to catch up uh it, especially if you are a hero with a uh hero power that is not conducive to catching up um <laughs> something like a syndragosa right in which it's like your hero power is done <laughs> your hero power was done turns before you even considered that um you know it helped you get to tier four uh and you had the tempo and you you had this little life like you know life bonus because of that and that was it like you're pretty much done there and, and for a lot of people i think they're just like no i i am different i'm special i will get the triples i will get the, the, the you know I, i'm gonna have that epic comeback right it's like i don't care if this guy got flat tusk three turns ago like you said i'm gonna get it this turn and magically through like breaking you know physics and thermodynamics and and numbers i will outscale the person that got it like two three turns ago which i think is just something that people have to accept 
won't happen. And you accept it the absolute fastest out of everyone that I've ever seen. You're just like, nope, okay, this is it. Nope, cutting, you know, cutting it out, tier four. Um, which leads me to, to, to this question. Do we have a tier five problem right now? So tier five to me is just on the way to tier six. Like if I yeah. am playing a high roll game, I will go to five and I'll try to get to six as fast as I can. Unless, of course, something happened. Like, let's say I pulled my six and I whiffed and, oh, I'm defensive. Obviously, I can't go to six and do something there. But it feels like tier five is where you... Um, like, when Quillbores are out, it's different, right? When Quillbores are in, something like a Bran or a Lightfang isn't that great anymore it's not something yeah. where you know like back in the day you pull an early ban you're like "Ooh, this is gonna go a long way this is great right now i feel like bran is a whiff <laughs> like if you have to take an early five with quillbors and bran is a whiff you'd much rather have instant tempo from either light fang mythrax or even say divine shields uh, piggy right the four eights to me i'd snap that over a brand in almost any game and it's, it's really when, when pigs are in, you have just such a crazy amount of scaling with Flapless Gagum that unless you're Reno and you're pulling and you're instant zapping the Light Fang to make it golden, eh, they don't really care. You can have your Light Fang for a while and then people get bigger than you. So to, to me, it feels like, yeah, you go to tier five on the way to tier six. It's not like back in the day where at least, you know, to my understanding, you wouldn't really push six as often. But yeah, you have, you have like Eliza on six, super strong. When you're on six, you can just like buy double Caligos and start scaling and all this crazy stuff. So yeah, I, I really dislike being on tier five for sure. It's interesting. And the reason I ask is because, so Shady, you, you play a ton of BGs nowadays. I don't. And when I was playing a ton of BGs, especially like earlier on, like, you know, season two for example when, when i played a lot uh you didn't play a, a lot and it's just very jarring for someone like me because this is the first time uh with the exception of like the initial initial meta which was mechs all tier four mechs right like this is when everything first came out like alpha like alpha 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 bgs this is the first time that tier five has been this empty or, or, or kind of this inefficient you know where you you look at it and uh yeah if pigs are in brand and light fang are not good enough um on tier five what are you hoping for it's all kind of piggy related right it's blood gem related you're hoping to get like the agam um and but that's kind of to pair with these kind of pig related like gem generating things uh so yeah, like to me, it feels wrong in a way because that's the way that I've always played. And j just maybe this is kind of nostalgia for me, but I'm just like, it, it felt natural to kind of end at tier five, at quote, end for a, a, like a decent amount of players to end up there. And then for the really ambitious slash lucky ones to end up at six. Um, and it just kind of made sense, right? And then a lot of people or basically everyone had the chance to triple into sixes. And it was just like this good kind of stopping ground there. And right now, uh, I think you're absolutely correct in the way that you play in which like a lot of people who are struggling, right? Like they're like, oh man, Shady, I'm hard stuck. 
And I think a lot of them are mistakenly wasting gold, not being gold efficient, going to five, not really knowing what they want to find. And it's because there's not much for them to find on tier five. And if your answer is like, man, I got to get like the agam. And also I need to triple into this like flat tusk before I even have the triple, right? Like th then, then you're, you're all sorts of lost and you're just trying to find like a needle in the haystack there. Um, but like, so from your fresh point of view, do you like this? Like, cause for me, I, I'm just like, man, it just feels a lot more natural for people to end up at five, you know, like one tier below the max tier. And then it feels natural for, for me that like, oh, game should progress to there and not in terms of efficiency for MMR and gold sake to kind of end at four, unless you get lucky, have that chance and then shoot up to six. And there's just this weird tier five wasteland there where yeah it might be okay like nice to get there uh but it just costs like too much gold and for a lot of comps it's actually um detrimental to go there like this is why you don't go there even when it's like two or one gold for you to go there some games yeah it's what tier five has is it's it's still a reasonable investment a lot of the time and you don't get the extra minion and that's that's a big one where you get mm -hmm. as many minions per roll on tier four as you get on tier five uh not everyone knows that right because they're like oh you know the extra minion will you know balance it out and like you do not get an extra minion for leveling <laughs> and you just introduce a bunch of five drops and if you're playing a tier four comp you don't need five drops in your comp so you're just you're quite literally making you're paying gold to make your shop worse on average um, so that's that's not great as for whether it's healthy or not whether it's fun or not that's obviously i mean player dependent right how you like to play i, I think part of it is perhaps how uh, hit or miss right now the meta is where you either first of all get the really strong hero or you don't right the heroes that uh, like you said uh, the hero power is conducive to because um, you know let's say what makes a good hero right like hook tusk right now would be a prime example of a hero power that is very very conducive to getting six drops right because you're essentially just making token pairs economy pairs the whole time you either get swabbies or sallies or murloc tidehunters so you have tons of money you can level very freely you have a hero power that almost forces triples at, at some point if you have enough pairs open and then suddenly you know like on sometimes as early as eight gold you pull a six drop because you've had some swabbies you've had extra gold you just leveled 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 and you now have an eliza on eight gold or you now have a flat tusk on eight gold how is anyone going to compete with that right so i've been in those games plenty times where i'm the person go like well everyone else is dead right <laughs> it's because there's you know like if you've seen enough of that you just stop trying to contest that you know, three turns later where you couldn't get your flat tusk at a reasonable time. So if anything, maybe it's just the um, disparity between heroes right now and just the the power level of certain cards that makes it that you don't really want to go to five. Because I will say in the games where pigs are out, it feels a bit like, oh, yeah, I can do five. Like I'm playing, let's say I'm playing an Omu. I'm just going to five and suddenly I roll two light fangs. I'm like, good enough it's good enough right just let us scale let's sit there stay on five look for some selfless look for baron it's cool right especially if you already have a malgadon 
Like some some games where pigs are out, let's say pigs are out, pirates are out, no Eliza, no flat tusk. I've already tripled into an amalgam. Like, why go to six? It's fine. Just stay on five, roll for selfless, roll for baron, try to get my triple light fang. But when pigs are in, it's always like, well, I can just hit and just stats go go because even flat tusk and a shaker can kill double light fang ports, right? If you have enough shields and you're just like gem 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 40 damage piggies, it's just like good luck having enough health there, right? And you do not have as many shields as a shaker comp when you are trying to get one of each type for your light fang build. Yeah, I think that uh the the shaker comp and what you said like uh about 10 15 minutes ago, I think it's good for us to clean up our terminology because for you it's not just all about taunt comps, right? It's like tier four has all of these ways. And it, because if it was just taunt comp, uh, then it might not be as profitable to just stay there. But yeah, sh Shaker with Divine Shield, um, it goes further than people think. Like it, it won't get you that number one probably, but once again, um, it'll go further than you think and you'll just scam and kill like some people on the way to your top four. Um, Let's talk about a few examples, and some of these are a little bit more specific, some of these are a little bit more vague, but I'm hoping that uh, they'll sort of bring out this, or your play style. And I'm kind of curious uh, what you think about these examples. So the first one, full um, transparency, I already told Shady about this because I was just kind of curious, uh, but we have a couple of examples that um, I haven't run by him yet. So the first example was one that I actually saw on Victor's stream earlier today. He picked George because it was just the best character. Uh, I'm not going to uh, sort of make this complicated with like the hero choices. So he picked George. There's no demons. There's no mechs. And there's no pirates. And on turn one, he's presented with the 3-1 boar, the 2-2 acolyte, and the 2-2 Salamental. And I thought it was very interesting because Victor pointed out to the chat that, yeah, you know, you can buy the Salamental. And I think a lot of people would snap pick the Salamental. But he's like, you can make an argument here for the Acolyte. Mostly because you're George and the curve works. You can lean a little bit towards taunt comp already. Like, the, you know, the Acolyte does a lot of good work. You can save a little bit of health because it's certainly stronger than the Salamental for the first two turns. And he ultimately picked the Salamental, but he wanted to tell chat about the be potential benefits of the Acolyte and how, you know, it was like, if you're, if you're another player and you really want to pick the Acolyte, you could. And Shady, are you picking the Acolyte there or are you still going with the Salamental? So in this specific example, mechs are banned. So there is a specific... Uh, combo between Acolyte uh, of Cthulhu and Micro Mummy, where on five gold you can shield your Acolyte of Cthulhu by a Micro Mummy, and you now have a three damage divine shield, which is substantially better than a two damage divine shield. Two damage divine shield a lot of the time still gets value traded when people put their strongest minions in the front, because people a lot of the time, at least in higher elo, they will think about, oh, what if he has an Acolyte? Okay, I'm going to put my three health minions first to value trade the Acolyte and then move on. And then whether the Acolyte is a shield or not, it doesn't really do as much work. But when you have a three damage Divine Shield, it's very hard to play around that early. So in this specific example, I think the Selemental is perfectly fine because you can die as George being like, all right, I'm Taunt Comp. Yep, gonna get the arm. Any minute now, any minute that arm is just 
I'm not getting the arm in my <laughs> that happens, right? So as George, you know, you could still play Shaker Comp. You could still hit triples. You could still get an early light fang if piggies aren't in. You can still triple into a six drop. It's just harder than when you're playing, say, a hook tusk. So yeah, I do like this elemental in that example. But if there is a micro mummy right next to the harbinger in the shop, for me, it's not even a question. I will 100% lock the mummy by the acolyte over the elemental for sure. I think that's interesting. And I think that's a play that if I didn't watch you, I, I wouldn't have even seen it, right? Like it just wouldn't have really entered my mind. And um, so can you explain to chat what your thought, like what is the path there? Like just, okay, so there was an acolyte, there's a mummy. And then what are you hoping that branches out into? All right. So on the next chop, you're pretty much just hoping for either more acolytes, you're hoping for spawn, potentially more mummy, but not necessarily, or just generic strong things, right? You can get, let's say, the Prophet of the Boar and the Tough Tusk, and then you just have a gem for the Tough Tusk. Uh, but it, it's pretty much just once you... So if you're playing George, there is a decision you make on Abe Gold, right? If you've started with the Elemental, you have the economy to level. Because George on 8 gold can sell a unit, Divine Shield a unit, and tier up to tier 4. If you started with the Acolyte, you will most likely not have the economy to level on 8 gold. Which is fine for George, because George does like to see some shops on tier 3. Uh, because if you hit it, the, there's this happens actually sometimes where you're playing George, and uh, it's the 8 gold turn, and you just open an arm in the shop. It's like, oof. I don't have to think this game. That's great. I just need to like to find shield taunts, acquire more armor, and it's I'm good. So, a couple of rolls on tier three can definitely set you towards that. You can also get a sensei for your micro mummy, and then find a module once you do tier up to four, which is the turn after that. But yeah, I mean, ideally, what you find is enforcer because you can just farm so many stats of that. Uh, the, dra the the Dragon Enforcer, the 3-6 that gains plus 2 mm -hmm. plus 2 every time a shield is lost. Uh, module, Arm, if you do have that Acolyte, you can play Harbinger. Harbinger now does something. Even if your Acolyte is Divine Shield, you just put it up a bit higher and then it will die pretty fast. So yeah, those would be the main hits, right? You're looking for um, Champion as well. Just Champion is already worth like this is, this is maybe like maybe a bit of a tangent, right? But, um, the uh, champion of Yashraj is such an amazing minion to find early, and I see so many people like skipping over it. They're like, ah, you know, I don't really want to play it, but they will happily pick a gold grubber with one golden minion, and I'm like, this is better. It scales faster. It's better, but like people go, oh, gold and gold cover is amazing, right? It's just like, but you get a champion of Yashiraj with a divine shield acolyte that is guaranteed plus two plus two, right? That's you just called out so many people. Well, actually, plus <laughs> three plus three because it's a shield. The first one, it's it's already better than a grubber, right? You just called out so many people and, and a few streamers uh, <laughs> that I've seen do that as well. Uh, oh. But you're absolutely right. And I think it's just the the dirty idea of committing to I'm not a Toncom player. <laughs> I'm not a Toncom player. I'm better than that. As they go minus sixty. Uh, <laughs> um, so next example I, I wanted to ask about, and this one is going to be more 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 vague. This isn't like a turn one thing. I'm going to and 
once again, there's going to be blanks here. And you can fill that in as well. So you can tell me it's like, well, okay, you didn't fill in all the blanks, but Merps, assuming this, I would do that. Assuming that I would do this. So you are on tier three. You have, you've just rolled a little bit. You have a quote standard hero. So nothing weird, like let's say Cthulhu or Millhouse, right? Like, and, and no, not a hero that like is really shifting like fundamentally the way that you play the game. You're on tier three. Let's say it's like eight gold, right? You know, that kind of awkward turn where, you know, you, you roll, you had four gold, you finished off your last roll, and then you are presented with an arm and a bronze warden. So you only have enough gold to buy one of them. Currently, you don't have any taunts. You just have like some minions. Let's say a murloc, you know, you have like a pig, whatever. And the other units are, are just pure crap. Which one are you buying? And after you buy that one, are you freezing for the other one? So I've left a lot of things also blank, right? Like, I don't know specifically what your hero is. I'm just going to tell you it's not like a weird one, right? It's not like a... um uh yeah, like Millhouse or Cthulhu or something like that. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts here. It's like, are you which one are you buying for that turn? Uh, are, like, and, and it really just speaks to it's like, okay, are you committed to taunt comp? Like, wh wh what's your thought process here? So if I have zero taunts on the board, it's snap the warden and it's let the arm go. Just because I do really enjoy playing taunt comp, but I also have to be objective in that if you never see that Argus, if you never see that module, the arm, the arm just sits there being pretty. And it also depends which tribes are in and out, of course, because of course. we might be playing Harbinger comp where that Warden will serve as a soaker, right? And we might never see that Argus. Um, but of course, if I see the Argus while rolling, I will think about, hmm, I can just put the Argus on the Warden now. And if I then see an arm, we're in business. So it'll depend a little bit. Do I have a second good Argus target on the board? Say, you know, I, I bought that Warden on eight gold. I then teared up on uh, nine gold. I rolled, I sold something off my board. I bought a bulvar. Then next turn, we start properly rolling on tier four and I hit an Argus. I will just snap on both of them pretty much because if you hit an arm after that, you have your comp, right? Like you can, you can start playing the game. So depends a bit which tribes are in because if piggies are in, then you, you might be playing shaker comp and that divine shield just serves perfectly fine in that regard. As I mentioned, you can be playing Harbinger Comp. You can still just be playing mechs where you just have um, a Deflecto and then you get a module on a reset and then that Warden is just on the board for a while and it gets sold off later. Or, you know, let's say you have a pair on the board and you end up tripling that. That Warden could be a Dragon for a Menagerie setup. I like that. I think that's a good... Um, I think that's uh, going to be one of the situations that people out there find themselves in as well and i don't want them to just listen as like oh man i just need to play taunt comp more like this ambiguous more <laughs> that people don't really get and that that example right it's like um especially during this sort of like eight gold turn where people are a little bit anxious to try to figure things out right that's that that's where you get a little bit itchy it's like seven gold you're just like ah you know bob's just been giving Yes, here we are, carefree. And then eight gold, and you're just like, ooh, oh god, it's like I, I gotta make a decision soon. <laughs> and then it's like the worst turn, the eight gold <laughs> turn, 
when the game stops being handed to you and you have to take some responsibility, I don't like it. Right, because before then it was like, well, I can't roll. Like for some heroes, right? It's like, why well, I didn't really have a choice. I, I couldn't really roll. And I, I just take whatever is the best minion given to me. It's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, got, I got a tut, tough tusk. Great. I get a Kaboom bot. That's great. But this is just what Bob's been offering me. I haven't been playing, quote, correct because I can't roll anyways. How awesome is this game? And then eight gold comes along. People have to start rolling or they have to make some tough decisions. And it's like, <gasps> oh, man, I'm not exactly sure. So let's talk about a little bit in the mid, like the late mid game slash end game. We're tripling into sixes now. And I want you to, in the best way possible, kind of explain to chat your thought process of tripling into a six when there is both pirates and pigs, and then when there is only pigs, and then when there is only pirates, and then if there are neither of those, are you even tripling into sixes? Um, and once again, with this one, I, I left a lot of things like blank, right? But of course, it's like easy to do it turn one and have everything figured out. And then in the early game, it's like, okay, I left some things blank, but you can fit. And then now it's like, okay, I left a lot of things blank, but it's impossible for all those in. But let's talk about it. Let's, let's kind of, and I think you know where, what I'm getting at when I point out these two tribes specifically. Yeah. No, for sure. I think I know what you mean for sure. So... Tripling into a six, it, it's going to depend on a lot of things, right? So the first thing it's going to depend on is your position in the game. Can you, can your life total, can your board handle getting a six? Because a lot of the time people triple into a flat six, like, I got it, I got it, I'm dead. Right? It's just like, because flat <laughs> doesn't really do anything the turn she comes down, right? You have to be at least a little powerful that you can survive the hit from the next person or you know win the round and then you can start doing things so that's the first criteria you have to check okay how strong am i who am i facing can i take a six right then we start thinking is it worth to take a six so there are a couple of things you look at for the um the minion types we talked about pirates and quillbors and that's because Two of the best six drops are in those tribes right now. We have Eliza, which is just phenomenal. You get instant power. You're pretty much almost guaranteed to win the rounds after you triple into Eliza. And you have a perfectly viable option where you suddenly start buying Hoggers. And the Hoggers do well because you have an Eliza. You can do APM Pirates or you pick up a Scallywag, you pick up a Baron. Hey, now I'm Scam Pirate. So Eliza is phenomenal in that regard because she's extremely safe to pick up. And she has two viable build paths. And sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm, I went to six. I have my Eliza. I found two Kellys. Goodbye, Eliza. And it's just, she's she's great in that regard. She will protect you in the early game and you get some, uh, well, you know, when you get her. And you have some viable build paths after that. <clears throat> then the other one is obviously Flat Tusk. We talked about that. Flat Tusk with a Ground Shaker is amazing. Flat Tusk with just the the great boar and any divine shield is like plus two plus two plus two plus two plus two like you don't even need the agam and then obviously the agam is you know if you get agam flap tusk it's game over right you just smoke the lobby you get a crazy amount of stats in a very short amount of time so what are some other things to look at 
my big thing is elementals if elementals are in tripling into sixes automatically becomes worse because you can hit any of the elementals and they're all garbage <laughs> right so they're so bad yeah they're like so bad. i think yeah. one of the only exceptions is you're playing an omu you're strong you let's say you have a harbinger on the board and an acolyte and then you triple into a genie and then the next the very next turn you push six and it's like okay the genie is okay because now the genie can start producing rags and i can actually move into the elementals or the genie can start producing amalgadons or whatnot. Um, so yeah, I would say if you are under uh, pressure and you are missing sufficiently good six drop, meaning Eliza is out and Flat Tusk is out, you can 100% take a five because it's not worth the risk. You're not going to win the game off your six because you're already under pressure. Pulling the Cali is not going to do it. You're not going to pull up in time. If all the good sixes are in, and you think you can manage then yeah go for it so what are what are other good sixes in mama great like she once like eliza she comes in and protects you when she comes down but it's not as good as eliza because she has no real build paths after that other than oh i'll just buy some harbingers right but usually you get those and then you triple into the mama not the other way around um for reaper super decent right beasts i don't love because even though gas coiler is Imp Mama-esque, you can also get Goldrin or Maxna, which both don't do too much. Uh, Amalgadon's always in, but it's not my favorite early. It's really something you want to pull later. And then I think we're about there, right? Where you have your Imp Mama, you yeah. have your Fur Reaper, right? So you want to, you want to if you have your deck tracker while you're playing, you essentially want to open up your deck tracker and say, okay, how many of these do I actually want? And then how many of these do I not want? And that oftentimes answers your question immediately. We're like, oh man, it's like four, six drops out of 12 that I actually want. And it's kind of risky to take one. Because you can lose on the spot if your selection is Kanger, Dina, Zap, right? <laughs> and that that happens, right? <laughs> like those are those are actual games that you do not want to be taking that chance if there's not actually uh, some reward at the end of that. Yeah, at, games are so dynamic now like when we had one tribe that was out of the game it's like games are pretty samey and now that we have three tribes unavailable games can look very very different um whether it is the the pace or the potential of any given tribe and right now i, I would say you know piggies are, are the big sort of differentiator right it's like when pigs are in that is um just a huge amount of scaling also they they have good beatdown methods in the mid game as well so it's not just like this late game um it, it, it's not just like dragons right which like really bloom if allowed to uh given the space in the late game also it's just funny how bad cali is now compared with in previous metas um and how right now, if you get Cali, you're like, oh, but you, you you're just not enough. It's like like it's single Cali. All right. It's just like, I guess I'll take the 412. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'll get the 412. You can get some, like, you know, ancillary stats here and there. Uh, but single Cali just doesn't do it. It's like, you got to triple into double Cali or like, uh, or, you know, double triple into double Cali, double triple into Cali, have dragons and also get the Nadine at the same time. You're like, okay, well, maybe that's enough. Um, but yeah, games do look very different now and going for the six. It, yeah. Like I, I find that when I play, I'm just like, oh, going for a six is easy when those two things are in. 
um, because if I hit the uh, flat tusk, that's that's something I'm familiar with. Like that, that's good scaling. If I hit the Eliza, I enjoy hitting Eliza even more than flat tusk, just because I'm like, okay, well, like you said, I'm I'm almost guaranteed to win like the next battle, and then the next two to three battles, as long as I, uh, I'm not just stupidly rolling for uh the pieces for scam comp i'm picking up pirates and if the scam comp stuff happens to come along i also pick that up but i'm winning the next like two battles and i also have a pathway into scam comp which is very very powerful when you get to top three you know top two position so i like doing that but yeah like i i've also found myself just going to tier six and this is probably because i'm i'm not really internalizing the percentages and the risk correctly i get the stupid nadina kangor right like uh gar <laughs> uh, gar is just the worst gar, gar is like absolutely the worst uh and then i'm just like okay well that was probably a mistake i i you know like maybe i just got really unlucky but if those were all in i'm like i probably just made a mistake here and i think a lot of people make that mistake and then end up blaming the game when whereas at least i'm sitting here being like that was probably just a bad move and i think a lot of people make that move and some of our listeners out there will make that move and not realize it because they're like it's a tier six meta i went for a tier six what the hell just happened here? Why am I losing when I am playing the meta? And it's like, you're just not playing it smart enough. Yeah, right. You mentioned that we're we're right now in a situation where the game is really, really dependent on what's in a route. You're just playing a completely different game. Like we we talked about it earlier, but mechs in or out, it's just for me, absolutely a different game. Like if if mechs are out, suddenly I start pair gaming a lot harder because tier four is much more difficult to pull off. So I'm just like, well, here we go, Let's triple, right? And you know, if I don't, then I just pray that I can get some kind of, you know, either shaker comp or janky harbinger comp online because it's really difficult to do proper arm comp if mechs are out. Okay, so what I want to do was talk about the different tribes and then for you to put on your designer slash dev hat uh, and and then I'm going to ask some specific questions and get your thoughts and fixes. But before that, it, was there anything that we didn't talk regarding taunt comp that you want to educate the masses about as someone who has... I'm thinking of like Bane, you know, when he's fighting Batman, and he's like, and he's like, I was born in the Tonkom. <laughs> I wanted that voice. That's exactly it. <laughs> Thank you, Shady. So, as someone who, who who was born in it, molded by it, is there anything else that us Tonkom plebs should know about? God, I mean, I can talk about it for a very long time, but. Let me see if I can get some some nuggets like without taking up two hours. I think just knowing what you're rolling for is a big one with Taunt Comp, right? Because we, we talked about how you don't want to tier up to five, but what are you actually rolling for then? And a lot of the time in the late game, it's going to be either I'm going to get my golden arm or I'm going to get my golden heart, I'm going to get my golden champion. But when you have those, you're... Um, 
or, or you're specifically just running for those, you could start thinking about, okay, how can I maximize my placement here? Because I can really see um, Tom's comp on average doing poorly when people are just playing it until they die, but it's like very lazily played, right? When you die, you should probably not have two regular arms on your porch, right? You should <laughs> sneak in a selfless. You should make a poison murloc to add there. So you really want to squeeze everything out of it. You want to maximize the scam. So when you start to approach that late game where you're like, oh man, it's getting kind of shaky. I don't really know, you know, if we can take this guy, then that's the perfect time where you just like sell arms, sell arm, play a murloc, play toxfin, sell the toxfin, put a selfless down. Or when you triple, you usually don't really triple into a six, maybe even beasts are in for a maximum, but most of the time you're just going to be tripling for a five because you're trying to get Baron. And then you can get Golden Selfless. Oftentimes that's the one that pulls the Baron. And then your board's going to look something like um, a very high damage taunt first, then a Golden Selfless. Baron either next to pop shields or for cleave protection somewhere else or whatnot. And then the rest is either poison minions or very high attack damage taunts and then a champion of Yashirash most of the time. And that's how you scam, you know, these like very high stats builds when they have, say, you know, 60 health minions, but you're dealing, you know, 30 or more damage with your divine shields, and then you're then reshielding them with the selfless. And suddenly it's not enough, right? They're so much bigger than you, but it doesn't matter because you get so many hits out of your minions, um, especially with my favorite is like deflect or reset scam so if you have the chance to do that you get deflectos you taunt them you put menace on the deflectos and then you just watch the sh you just watch the fireworks you just sit back like all right let's see what happens because your front line is going to be resets right sometimes you just add a regular micro mummy this happens a lot where uh, my end game board will look something like this my two minions in the back are going to be deflectos then it's going to be one to two maybe generic uh like resets where you have an egg and a micro mummy that are both huge because you've put module on them so that's your four big taunt minions and then the three things in the front is going to be like reset poison minion selfless and then you're just hoping that they hit your deflecto one of the two and then the reset goes off and you get the shield back. And then they hit into another deflecto, another reset goes up and you get the shield back. And then they kill one deflecto, but it's okay because it's got menace and it's saving the other deflecto. And it's just, it's crazy how many stats uh, or how much stats you can over, you can overcome just by continuously re-divine, but pretty much holy mackerel type gameplay where you will just get divine shields back over and over. Don't mention that. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was definitely one of the worst things that Blizzard did implementing Holy Mackerel uh, and the frustrating levels. Uh, but that's good. I like that. That's pretty Once much again, it. You the, just make Holy Mackerels, yeah. <laughs> pretty much it. Just try to emulate the Holy Mackerel type of uh, game styles. But I am hoping that other people out there who are listening... And just have this uh, really warped view of Taunt Comp have learned from this. Because um, I think Taunt Comp, whether through memes, whether through people's bad experiences by misplaying it, has gotten a, a really bad rap. And whether or not you, quote, enjoy playing the play style, 
it's undeniable that it is a huge part of the game. It's a big tool, and if you're not using it at all, or if you're using it incorrectly, you're just throwing away MMR. So don't do that. All right. Now, let's get let's get into this. Because I think there are some things that people have problems with, and some tribes that people think are underpowered. I want to get your thoughts on these. First, let's just talk about <laughs> you laughing about the tier six elementals, right? Elementals right now obviously have a tier six problem. This isn't even a debate. Like we don't have to debate this. Tier six elementals are an absolute joke. How would you fix that? So I'm probably not the best person for this because I can tell you if it's broke or not when I play with it, but <laughs> I might give some suggestions of and bring the game altogether. But I guess we can just identify what the problem is, right? Like, why do we not like these? The The problem with Little Rag I have is like, even if you have ideal circumstances early game, right? You have a lot of elementals at your disposal. You have the Little Rag. You don't have a board that you want to keep at the moment you triple into a six, right? What is your board when you pull the six? Some random tokens a spawn, some other stuff. It's just like you don't want to start putting stats on your spawn or this like golden murloc that you have tripling into the rag. So you cannot aim the buffs. So that is potentially something. But once again, that might break the card immediately if you can like more, you can do more targeted buffing, right? Because Caligos, like maybe something Caligos-esque where it's like, oh, you buff your elementals or you buff, you know, like specific minions. I, I don't know how. Uh, but but Kali, at least, you ensure that all the buffs are going on minions that you're keeping because they're dragons, right? Of course, the problem with Kali is you don't first need to buy dragons, so you can only truly play it when you already have dragons on your board. But with Rag, if you pull it early, you still just, you're buffing things that you're selling later on, so it's just, you can't use the Rag, you know, like, playing with Rag, it's mainly just like, wait, 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 just make, make a perfect board, buy the 4 Reaper, get more Rags, get the Genie, okay, now I can start playing cards, and that almost only happens when you are just dominating early you're dominating you're so strong you go to tier four and then you can just like make your board like all right i now have all the minions that i want to keep now i can just get ridiculous rag stats and then elementals feel oppressive actually when you're in that spot but it's such a very small percentage of the games so so that would be my my main identification of the problem is that you can't use it even if you have elementals early because you're just buffing stuff you're not keeping yeah it the the randomness of the buffs and also the randomness of what ex exactly you roll into um it, it's a little bit too much especially for a, a tier six right like let's compare it to the consistency and the power and the control of something like flat tusk it's kind of stupid right like if you look at those two things and how with one, you are able to consistently get stats, put it on exactly what you want, which means the stats matter much, much more. And how many times have we played Little Rag and you play an elemental and it just buffs that stupid elemental. So you sell it and you've literally gotten nothing, right? You've, you've gotten nothing from uh, your investment. So yeah, like right now, um, Nomi is, it, it's like, it still works, especially for someone like Reno, right? In which you can golden it immediately, and that's pretty easy, like top two slash top one. But tier six elementals are a real issue there. Um, 
would you also be okay if they just moved either one or maybe two of the tier six elementals down to a tier five? Once again, I don't know if that breaks the game where if you can start playing <laughs> Little Rag on five, right? Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's the most interesting. Can you can you mm. imagine Omo just like oh two rags, bam, let's go, baby? Well, it, it, it was tier five <laughs> previously. Yeah, and, okay. and then I, mean, they got I, I never played that. I never played yeah. that. I have just heard stories about the genie meta where people were just rushing genie all day long, right? All day, every day. So, yeah. I um I don't I mean it's it's something that's maybe worth worth trying out but it, it does feel like it is a bit abusable then where Okay, so I'll put it this way. If you are fighting right now an Omu that has high rolled and that has those elementals early, that already feels like kinda nutty <laughs> when you face him like, oh, you have this on your board, right? And that can now happen a turn earlier <laughs> if they're on tier five or you're just like tripling into them from tier four um yeah i mean it's uh it's possible like now that we have the power of the pigs that that might not break the game i think so and i also think it's interesting you mentioned omu because omu also is the it, it, it is kind of like the the reach hero right now right he's like the outlier in which yeah he's he's level one he's He's on tier six when you're still trying to figure out. It's like, oh, I just got to tier four. What interesting, uh, you know, units am I going to buy here? Perhaps a bonker. And they're just like, uh, Malgadon, pass. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not good enough for me. Like, get out of here, Malgadon. I want some actual stuff. And you're just like, oh, hope I get a bonker. <laughs> um, but okay. So elementals, they have an issue there. Let's talk about Beast for a second. And if you guys have seen Shady streams as much as I have, you've heard this, um, for lack of better terms, uh, a frustration, okay? He's, he's been frustrated at this a little bit. Uh, but Sh Shady, explain to us sort of why you're frustrated by Beast comps in the late game and if you have any ideas on how to how to fix it. Yeah, so it's not always the case, but oftentimes when you're playing beasts, whoever wins is whoever goes first, uh, because you are you get so many stats out of your macaw that if you go first, you know, like a lot of the time, if you would have the percentages, it would be like fifty fifty. It's like, well, if he goes first, then he gets this huge beast. Then is a snowball reaction, right? Where the the most cl the clear cut example is your opponent has a zap. And you have Macaw. It's pretty much just, okay, if I go first, my Macaw goes off, I get the benefit from the Baron, and he doesn't kill my Baron and my 2-4 Hydra. If he goes first with the Zap, he kills my Baron and my 2-4 Hydra, my Macaw goes off, buffs one fewer beast, and uh, has much less effect because the Baron isn't alive. Um, you can also have something where your opponent has a Golden Wind Fury Elemental, that thing goes off four times, you have the golden piggy, that thing goes off four times, decimates your board before you get to do anything. So it's it's very frustrating when you're just sitting there like, well, if I go first, I win the match. If not, I take 20 damage. <laughs> so Collins uh, has given a suggestion where you might go first for having fewer minions. And then you can think about it where, okay, right now, 
you run, say, an Acolyte of Cthulhu as your seventh minion when you're playing Beasts because it's a reborn taunt. So you're at least protected versus regular Wind Fury. That's, that's another thing to maybe just like explain where I see this a lot where people are playing Beasts and they would rather have this like 2 2 taunted Alley Cat or something stupid. Like, hey, at least it's a Beast. Now it's going to grow with the Macaw. But it's like <laughs> in every fight your opponent goes first, that cat is dead anyway. And if they have Wind Fury, they might snap your Baron, they might snap your Parrot. <laughs> they might snap your Goldrin. So it's so often where people ask me, like, when are we transitioning onto Zacolite? And it's like, we're not. <laughs> it's like we get an Amalgadon with a module on it and it doesn't roll plants. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. But until then, I need something that can soak a hit and then another one. So block Wind Fury, essentially. So yeah, that, that's that's the main frustration with Beasts, where if I go first, I win. If I go second, I lose. And... Yeah, that, that feels like there has to be a better way where it's it's so, like, coin flippy. And that's not <laughs> new. That's been there since McCall was introduced, especially back when McCall was even more powerful. So the problem isn't, like, inherent in anything else that's going on with Beast. The problem is really McCall, yeah. which was a poorly designed card when it came out, did not get any better design, just got nerfed to a point where the win rates matched up to what everything else is doing. Of course, the first time the adjective speaks in like an hour, it's to be grumpy about game design. No, but I mean, I agree. It's, it's to I be agree. grumpy I agree. about a game design problem that's been in the game for almost an entire year now. When did isn't around this time last year that they they introduced Macaw? I forget. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're testing me on the timeline of BGs, I, uh, I, I it's it was it was something like that. This is around the time, maybe like a month off or something. Sure, but this is around when Macaw was introduced and kind of did. Beast, and then they rearranged the entire Beast comp. Yeah. And it was never the same after that. Um, and it was always for the worst just because of McCall. Like, the rest of the Beast comp changes. You can, you know, um, like that the uh, that the Mama Bear is now farther up and the Goldrin is uh, farther down. It provides for a more interesting progression. Fine, whatever. But the Macaw is just... You can't balance it. You, you really can't unless you make it huge and make it, like, tier 6. And then you have to move other things around and it'll change, like, everything. It's it's hard. It definitely uh, sort of whenever you create a death rattle now, right? You always want to be thinking of McCall and the potential mm-hmm. of that. But yes, when it first came out, especially when it first came out, because Shady, I, I don't think you were playing at that time. But at that time, Goldrin was tier five and McCall was tier two. So if you can imagine that world, it, it was it was not a pretty world. It was a world in which Illidan was playable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, like crazy. was actually playable because it was so easy to get that comp and you going first twice mm-hmm. was pretty good that was pretty good guaranteeing that you went first twice and potentially three times right because Illidan can go first after the unfair first two so uh everyone was playing that comp and then of course you uh like both of you guys started with base stats and then before the opponent can move. You already had like 60-60 worth of stats, so they were pretty much dead. Um, but with the uh, uh, the beast comp, let's see. If we are actually going to do the lesser minion goes first, I think that's really interesting. I, I like that. And we discussed this a little bit before the uh, podcast as well, and I was thinking it also has a little bit of implications for scam comp because now you don't exactly need like the ghoul slash argus uh in order mm-hmm. to do it but for the late late game I, I was like okay this doesn't really 
matter. Like it doesn't really, really matter. It only matters for scam comps um, in that like setup transitionary phase where you're just like, oh man, I want to play this, but I could just die if they go first. So I kind of like that idea. Like you said Collins wanted to do this. Is this something you would be in favor of too? Yeah, once again, I'm, I'm not a designer, so it might be like, yeah, let's do this. And then, you know, like a dev place. So, yeah. you're, you're here to make headlines, okay? You're not here to be <laughs> humble. You're not here. Give us the stuff to lure in the listeners, okay? Time to give us your spiciest takes. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be very interesting to, to see, like, does, does that break the game? Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything we, we haven't thought about where, oh, you know, you can't do that because then X, Y, Z happens and the game the game just breaks. Um, from what we can tell right now, probably not, where it's just, it becomes more a mind game thing where I'm going to go down to six units is my opponent then going to respond <laughs> to that by saying like, well, if you're going down to six, yeah, I don't need to play the selfless. Screw that, right? You know, so because often race to the bottom. Yeah, right. It's just yeah, like it feels that's not that's yeah. not a good thing. Well, it's not actually a race to the bottom. Okay, I can I can guarantee. Well, okay, for the current meta, and Shady can back me up here. We're not we're not gonna race to be one unit Andy's nah, here. I just mean, to, that, that would yeah. never that would never happen. It's, it almost feels like magic. We're just mulliganing down, or just like all right, down down two. Let's go. I just don't have cards <laughs> right now. Uh, but no, when you're um, when when you're in that position, I, I would say the the very least amount of the the, the, the smallest your board's going to be is like realistically five, where you just have like two light fangs or something, and you're just replacing those, or you're just saying, all right, screw it, I just you know I want to go first, and that's very specifically if you know your opponent, it has this very great vulnerability to going second, like for instance beasts, and you have a zap, or they're playing scam company, you have a zap. In the vast majority of games, you would still just have a full board and you would have taunt to protect uh, any of your important pieces getting sniped. Like, let's say you were playing Golden Selfless and Baron, you would just taunt to the Divine Shield and then go second and have the Selfless shield your whole board. So, realistically speaking, we would not be seeing these events where people like sell their board to, to go first. Yeah, like it sounds like a good idea in that it's not it's not hurtful, but I don't think it solves the problem that the bird is still the bird. And in the end, you're going to have seven. If you go down to six, your opponent can also go down to six and then you're back in the same problem, right? Like you need something to break the tie, even if this is mitigating the damage a little bit. And uh, the thing that breaks the tie is going to be part of the game. So that will be huge, right? Like a huge fundamental change of Battlegrounds. Um, not just in the mind games, but just in the end game period. And that's, that's something that requires a lot of thought. And I, uh, until then, they need to stop designing these cards. And to be fair, they haven't really done that for, for a while. Uh, but they really need to stop designing these cards that are so dependent on, on going first. I'm, I'm going to run this idea because it was one that I thought of. And I haven't seen a lot of people put this idea. I, I think I've seen it one time and read a comment. I want to know both of you, you, you guys, like your, your thoughts on this. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but all right, just, just bear with me here. The person who goes, okay, it's always a 50-50 unless one person hangs gold and whoever hangs the most gold, you're paying, <laughs> you're oh, paying God. for so, so the I chance to go, go first. first. I love it. Yeah, right? You would always accidentally go first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Perfect. You would always accidentally go first, but 
So here's the thing. You're, you're paying for it, right? This is another reason. Like with your gold, you are paying for something. If both of you guys hang 10 at the end, then yeah, it becomes a 50-50. But it's like, it also introduces a mind game. It's like, okay, I'm going to hang one, but it, it like, is the other person going to hang one as well to make it a 50-50? Like that's worth it, right? Am I going to hang three to try to beat two? Well, it, like it introduces this sort of like risk assessment, cost benefit analysis at the same time. And maybe it's too much. Maybe it's crazy. Maybe it's brilliant. What do you guys think? Oh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's it's brilliant because it doesn't interrupt the other parts of the game. Yeah, right? Um, right? It, it doesn't make you do things that you... Do. I mean, it does make you do things you don't want to do. You want to, like, you know, have to pay a mana or something. But that's a very small part. That's, like, less than a tenth of your turn at the, at the end game. And... You know, you may end up like hanging a mana or anything anyway, right? Or you may be running a comp that can generate so much mana that you'll never use all of it anyway. Uh, all of that now gets gets rewarded. Uh, but more importantly, is that you can control it. Yeah. And you are in this mind game situation. Like it's, I I think it's better than the uh, fewer minions because that's not something that as a game designer you want to incentivize, right? Like people hanging open slots onto the board. Like it's more strategic. I think good players want to do that, but this this is like a really simple kind of thing that doesn't like. There's no possible negative interactions with uh, with with anything else because if you're facing like uh, let's say a, a beast comp or a scam, the new scam comp without the um, uh, without the whirlwind effect, without the ghoul, then you just hang all your mana if that's what it takes to win. Um, you you still don't solve the tie problem, by the way, but only if Facing a scam comp without the ghoul is so devastating that you will hang an entire turns of mana just to secure it. Will you ever actually race to the bottom in that case? Shady, what are your thoughts on my I, I crazy that, slash brilliant idea? No, I, I think that it, that would be a fun one indeed. I'm, I'm not sure if it's something that Blizzard would implement just because I feel like in a lot of the changes it's just let's keep it as simple as like, you know, like this is something that I feel like almost every like high level player when anyone that plays enough like absolutely hates its effect that tokens deal damage right or more than one damage like mm -hmm. you open i feel like you should never take more damage from a minion than the stars it started with right like, <laughs> yeah. you, you kill a sneeds and you take one extra damage like this makes no sense to me right and i feel like part of the reason why blizzard like is not going to change that like sure game time is one thing but it's also like kind of like confusing and it's an extra mechanic and hey that thing has five stars let it deal five damage right so it's the same thing here where it's just like oh it's just you know it's just random uh or whoever has more minions but i i think the idea is cool for sure and i would like to see it at least you know test it yeah. all right like i think you could leave it at random i don't think this is a huge problem you just have to get rid of cards that rely on going first like that specifically magnify it's not even accidental it's very specifically designed to magnify a random effect. Yeah. But this was an idea that I thought of that I was like, oh my gosh. I'm either a genius or I'm full Papega here. And I don't think no, there's... No, there's just there's no negative uh, like effects uh, in game design for this idea. Except what, uh, what Shady was talking about, which is just the extra bulk in terms of fully understanding the game. It is. But this is also something that you don't have to know until you're like moderately okay at this game. You know, right. like going first or not is not going to have a huge impact on you 
relative to other things you could be improving on until like a decent MMR, right? And they like sneak it in the tips or something. Right. Like Bob can say something to you, like whatever they, they you know want to do to make that more apparent. This is uh, thankfully actually true in the early mid game now that they took away Blacksmith, which was one of the worst decisions they, they, they made that card. Uh, oh, Shady, you, you... Are, are you one of those people who liked Blacksmith? No, 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 God. Okay. No, oh, God. Okay. Don't passion. associate Shady with that, with that. I don't even know what to call it. Just, just a dirty idea. It's just, man, it was so stupid to see, like, well, we're either going to beat him or take 18, and it's uh, yeah. nine gold. Let's do this, right? It's just nothing died when that thing attacked. It's like a full star damage from that, full star damage from that, full star damage from that. It's like, oh. You know, or they hit into my five damage taunt and I win the fight. <laughs> it's like it was such an insane coin flip. Like the, the best the best example would be I have two taunts. One of them enables a blacksmith, one of them doesn't. <laughs> it's just like one of the fights I win, and then it's not an over exaggeration. You would take like 18 damage or something absolutely stupid. Like, especially if they had two blacksmiths. Like it's just your game is over. You're done because you lost the coin flip in the early game. It's like unbelievably bad design like insanely bad design yeah i think i like once again i don't really play much bgs these days and i think part of my soul died during this one specific battle when i was already frustrated and it was my two blacksmiths and like this was a nine gold right the nine gold turn and um i faced i forget who else but it was my two blacksmiths versus their two blacksmiths and it was a 50, it was like, you know, eight deck tracker was like 51% to 49%. Whoever lost took 18 damage and I lost. I was like, wow, that was real skillful from the opponent there. Like, <laughs> that was it. And uh, for one of us, the game ended right there because there was literally nothing we could do past that point. And for the other person, cool, they, they kept being able to play the game but not from blacksmiths like they had to get rid of those it wasn't like you know the eliza which they could keep scaling from anyways it's gone i think we're all happy and i'm happy that you're happy that's gone because shady i can i can bear taunt comp but if you were a blacksmith supporter <laughs> oof, that would have been that would have been way 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 too rough there yeah you don't uh, want to you want you don't want to do that publicly right say that you like blacksmith <laughs> <laughs> all right We've talked about pirate scam comps for uh, a decent amount, but I want to talk about it a little bit more in terms of the design, in terms of how it warps the meta, and a lot of people don't like it. You you know exactly what I'm talking about. A lot of people, when you're playing it, you know, and, and I think we can all understand there's a lot of skill in getting to there safely. There's a lot of skill in like, okay, do, you know, am I buying uh the cadgar before i even buy the scallywag where does the faceless come in right if i have like uh you know how early can i buy the faceless etc etc um but some people just don't think it's healthy for the game adukta the first time you saw the pirate scam comp i think you were just like i mean why it is a bug <laughs> it, it is a bug it's not even like this is like if i was making the game and then i saw it i'd be like oh my god that's a bug and i'm sure that's what happened and then they're like i guess we don't need to fix this bug because it's fun and then that was the last like nine months <laughs> i don't know if it's a bug but shady your, your thoughts on this so i'm i'm 
very fine with it being there because it's it's a lot of it is a knowledge thing where you need to scout and you scam comp is so easy to identify when you see like dealt 24 damage showing three pirates i know what he's doing right so it's it's so easy to block the skellywags because a lot of the time you fight someone who's not like an expert scam comp player so let's first talk about the stuff that can go wrong right you can there's a number of ways you can ensure your combo goes off. One is by having Cadgars with more than two health, and then a Ghoul and a Baron. Because the reason the Cadgars need to have more than two health is your Ghoul will blow up your Cadgars. Right? Um, so you can do that either through Blood Gems, or you can triple the Cadgar. Now, a lot of people will be afraid of Cleave, and if they do not go with the Ghoul, they will go with an Argus, and it will only taunt one Skellywag, because they reason... Hey, now if I get cleaved, they will only cleave the one taunted Scally and the untaunted Scally, and my extra minion is safe. Now, the moment their opponent wind furies, it means he's going to hit the first taunted Scally, then half your combo is going to go off, and then the second half goes off. Um, sorry, the second half of the wind fury goes off, and might just snipe the Eliza, and boom, the combo is over. Right? So that's another big thing. A lot of people don't. Uh, realize that taunting both skellies is a lot safer than only taunting one because you can move your baron up to the third slot and then have your baron get cleaved and the death rattle will still go off <clears throat> baron enhanced now let's say that you know those things are all in check they've crossed their uh, t's dotted their i's you can add small taunts to your combo to make the skellywax survive and this was a big thing when elistra was a card where it was like, oh, you needed to... This was when you would look at your Eliza and say, like, okay, am I playing one Eliza or two Elizas? Because my Skellywags, my, my Sky Pirates might grow too fast. But even if they have one Eliza, if you play a uh, an Acolyte of Cthulhu and a Void Lord on the board, there's such a good chance that their combo just completely bricks. Because your... Um, especially if they go into the Acolyte first... And then they are uh, too big to die to the initial Void Lord. And then the, the second one finishes off the Void Lord. And then like your Void Walker spawn and it's just over. You've, you've stopped the combo. <clears throat> so I, I think it adds a fun little thing to the game where that is a viable thing to play. And it's very counterable with small taunts. It's very counterable with Zap. Now, with Zap, I will say with the introduction of Blood Gems, it is possible to redirect zap into the skellywax so if pigs are in i will say that blood gems have just destroyed zap's function because you can just very easily redirect it into whatever you want wherever you want it to go so i will say that the piggies are in and the scammer knows what he's doing it's a lot harder yeah so let me ask you a question uh about the scam comp as well like with the kind of knowledge that um you know more people are aware of uh scam comp nowadays and, and they're you're you're more likely to see zap and people prepping uh and scouting and having the zap early are you preferring ghoul over taunt uh in in the two variants and uh kind of what are your thoughts like if you have a choice right a lot of times you don't have a choice but sometimes people do have a choice it's like you know they can either go with, go with the ghoul or think they can go with the taunt variant i've always liked the ghoul more uh because you also pop divine shields on their end and 
to me, it just seems safer. And I'm wondering, what are your thoughts there? And am I missing something? Because I've always preferred the ghoul variant. No, if, if you can choose, it's the ghoul, hands down. Because on, on top of the things you mentioned, if they're trying to be sneaky with acolytes, your uh, Baron Ghoul will actually kill their first half and make it less likely that they will actually block your combo. You also just have like the three board spaces instantly, so you're also just less likely to brick because the Ghoul is dead and both the Skellies die. So yeah, no, it's a no-brainer. It's just you see the Taunt variant most often because this is what happens. You're, you're starting to collect scam pieces and you really want to get Baron and Cadgar both on the board, but you do not have a golden Cadgar yet. Yeah. You can't play Ghoul and blow up your own Cadgar. But once again, now with the introduction of Blood Gems, it's a lot easier. Like, let's say you're rolling on tier six. Sometimes just like buy a flat tusk, put her on the board, buy some stuff, then sell her again. Just like get some gems, right? It's kind of like buying bacon, selling bacon in a way. It's a very fancy way of getting like three blood gems for the turn. And yeah, that's uh, that's oftentimes enough to just put the Cadgar on three HP and then you can play the ghoul. Now, there, there's actually a really fun thing you can do if you see that your opponent is very specifically relying on that ghoul, especially when they have the golden baron. They have a Golden Baron and, say, a Golden Cadgar. You can also play a Ghoul. And then they will put their Chad on 1 HP, and your Ghoul will die and kill the Cadgar. <laughs> oh. Which is really, you know, that's like a little like bit of a mind game thing. But if you see someone relying on the Ghoul combo, you can see, like, okay, if the Chads are going down to 1, I can just play my own Ghoul, and then boom, <laughs> everything dies. That's, that's yeah. very 5-head. I like that. Um, of course, very specific scenario, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, like they, you know, yeah. you can go a hundred games without having to, you know, even think about that specific thing. But very good to know. I, I mean, I'm sure it's very applicable to our um, high leaderboard listeners, every single one of them. All like, you know, 500 of them are in the top 100, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, so Shady, it seems like you're okay with keeping it in the game because of these reasons. Now, Adopta, has Shady convinced you enough with all of these skill testing things to keep it in the game? I have never said scam comp was not skill testing on either the scam comp <laughs> creator or the scam comp victor. I will say that this comp is called the scam comp and I did not make up that name. That is a slur <laughs> given to it by every single person who has ever seen it in action. And it is just the definition of not fun and not good for the game and bad for game design, regardless of how much skill it is. Right? Um, now, it, the even worse part about the scam comp is that it's destroying pirates. It has been destroying the potential for pirates to be a real class and a real comp in this game of very few tribes to begin with since it was introduced. And pirates kind of stalled out of development after that, which I think is Blizzard's way of just putting a backseat to it while they deal with other crap. But they need to eventually come back to pirates, and the only way to develop pirates is to get rid of Scampcom. They cannot both exist, it doesn't work from a game design perspective, you can't balance both of them. And Scampcom isn't even driven by pirates, like we keep talking about a lot of things, but the one piece of Scampcom, the center of it all, is Cadgar. And Cadgar's been a broken card the entire game. Whether it's broken from a too, you know, too valuable perspective, it's always been broken from a what is this card doing in Battlegrounds perspective. 
from a pure game design perspective. And they have allowed it because they think it's fun. And I just fundamentally, not just me, me and a lot of other people now, are, are just kind of sick of it. I've been sick of it since day one. But people are getting more and more on board with this as they're like, alright, I mean, this is warping the game too much and we just want to see something different at least. Cadgar, the one problem I have with the scam comp is that for people picking up the game and them learning the mechanics that they think they know, and there's all of these like, and Shady, you know what I'm talking about. There's all of these like special quirks and special rules and special things you have to know about the scam comp, right? Like, first of all, just knowing these different variants and then understanding sort of like, okay, well, um, exactly how does Cadgar work? Exactly how does Cadgar Baron work? And you see them pop out and it's unintuitive, right? If you're trying to learn the exact interactions of scam comp by the, the, the actual little pirates that pop out that's not the way it's working at all right this is why people when they see it's like oh it's like buffing and then suddenly they'll see this like 29 attack thing pop up when it never was there before and but in fact it was um so that's the only thing i have against it i'm just like man it just feels like this secretive weird techie build a bug Also known as, in colloquial terms, a bug that they decided to not call a bug but a feature. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it just feels like this thing that uh, is unintuitive. But I... I, like I just don't. That's so sugarcoating and calling it unintuitive. Oh my god! It's, it's a book. Like I get how it technically works after I read about it. You know, after I saw it, and then right. I you know finished my stream, and I was like, why is that happening? And then I read it, and I was like, <laughs> oh okay, I can see from a programmer's perspective why this is not a bug but just how you instructed the the program to do it but from a player's perspective it is a bug and what matters in a game is the player's perspective gotcha and you're telling me not everyone thinks like shady that's that's quite not everyone thinks like like a very logical person who is able to decipher how rules in the stack work like shady's looking at it from that like you know old school like mtg kind of like thing where there's like there's a stack this happens first and this and this and this and this and so clearly this will be the result and look the result is happening it's great (laughs) but turstone and especially battlegrounds with how fast it is should not work like mtg like you shouldn't have to go that level of thinking about the stack. Oh yeah. my I mean, gosh. I'm I'm in I'm incredibly biased, but I can I can put that aside and say like, yeah, the way our Hearthstone normally works, Scamcom shouldn't be a thing, right? But I'm I'm biased. I love playing it. Like I, I learned the game during well, you know, like I properly learned to to you know, like push during the spell meta. And during the spell meta it was incredibly easy to get Eliza's because you would just get on the house. You just level house Eliza, right? Or you'd be playing Elise, and Elise would just go like level map Eliza. So I played that comp so much. So I just, you know, like I feel strongly about just enjoying that comp. And like I have that experience. <laughs> and obviously, I want to keep using that because I'm very good at transitioning into it. And I just really enjoy playing it. But yeah, like if I put that bias aside for a moment, yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel very Hearthstone esque because Hearthstone is like, Simplifieds, you know, just stats, more stats than the other guy. You know, it's just that way. So, yeah, I, I can agree with it doesn't really feel like it's an interaction that should be in the game. But, you know, like, personally, I, I do enjoy it. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. 
like and, and Shady's reasoning for it is exactly why Blizzard's not getting rid of it, right? Yeah. They feel like they stumbled onto something but like that is like working for the game, so they're not going to get rid of it. But it has even if you like even if from a designer's perspective you're like, oh this is a great thing to stumble onto, unless you're gonna keep pirates like that, like forever, it's gonna phase out eventually. And I think it's run its course. It's been around for so long. Yeah. I think that's fair. So look. Those are the tribes that I want to talk about. And for those of you who's like, oh, you didn't talk about like this or that tribe or demons. I'm just like, no, Scott, we could spend days talking about all the tribes. But these are the ones that were the most, most interesting, I think. And Shady, I had a um, a non, well, kind of Hearthstone related, but non Hearthstone related question uh, for you to kind of wrap things up. But do, do you think we missed anything on uh, this little segment about how to fix the game. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably the main source of frustration for a lot of players when we talk about this, is the amount of damage you can take is just ridiculous. Right? Like, I, I get that we introduce two things with potentially balancing issues if you know there would be a damage cap where people's like, eh, there's a 0% chance I die here, so I guess I just power level, you know, sure. And I get that games need to go fast because that's what hearthstone is you know fun fast you sit down never going to be here more than 20 minutes or whatnot but the um like i just had like back-to-back games of baron coiler taking over 30 and i'm just like this can't be a thing right like i took three quarters of my entire life total in one turn this is such bs like how is this possible and i get it if the guy is just like so strong and i didn't have anything on my board but we were somewhat close but it's just because the coiler pops in a very specific moment mm-hmm. that i die there and it's just like that that's just gotta be a thing that can be avoided right like can we just please turn it into a way where i cannot at least take more damage than this whole stars your board started with because <laughs> that happens sometimes people have like i don't know 25 damage worth of stars on their board and they end up over that because of death rattles it's just like yeah and i'm not sure if that alone would stop it but you know just in general like tokens please just one damage for tokens like stop dealing five because a pagel popped out of a boat and i couldn't kill it right all right so shady i'm gonna play devil's advocate all right bear with me don't hate me for this all right what if i were to say shady you're a very logical person as we've seen but you're completely illogical here because as you said just a few minutes ago the game is only 20 minutes long. If you look at it in terms of, and you've played like League, right? You've played these longer games, uh, games that, you know, by themselves can take like, what, 40, like twice the length of a uh, long BG game. And you know just how how those games can, like, for example, in League, you have someone rage. They int, right? Like the game can still go on for a long time and nothing you could do um, would have affected the, the final impact and, uh, you know, like exactly what happens. So you could view it as it's not about the game as a unit. It's about your kind of decisions per second or decisions per minute that can affect the outcome. And from the fact that, you know, we, you are right now a top player in North America and EU that shows the system is working. So what's wrong here? It's because it's very unenjoyable when you are at the bad end of that variance. 
sure sometimes you have this big board you're like <laughs> get wrecked huh? like nice nice board lol and you just deal 20 to him um but it's just not it's not a good exchange like being on that end it doesn't really make up for being on the other end where you are the one taking damage and i'm not convinced that the game is going to significantly increase in time if you do at least you know we're not i'm not saying like you need to just deal one damage per token but just something to reduce the damage at least in these extreme cases because these extreme outliers they just they're enough to make you want to stop your session when you're when you're playing and you just you take over 30 damage right or you have like this cadgar boat at the end right or like the probably the the most common mid-game scam is like a taunt that sneeds with like two cat guards behind it and you're just like oh please right and it's like doo, 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 a bunch of six drops you're just like okay i guess i just die because yeah. the sneeds rolled six drops instead of something else so it just feels like it's it's not even just like a coin flipper it becomes you know it turns this inherently already pretty rng game into just like the next level right where you're just like well i i could have been fine but i i took over 30 damage like that's yeah. probably the most frustrating part where if you had the tracker the tracker would actually tell you you know like you could win this or you could die <laughs> just like i feel like this shouldn't be possible yeah the, the situations that you're talking about are the most frustrating because a lot of times it's like oh i'm 60 percent to lose here and the damage range is like 12 to 34 damage <laughs> because of that and then of course it's like oh i I took 32 damage here that's fantastic so 40 percent chance i deal damage 60 percent chance i take damage and it's a 20 damage range because of these death rattle shenanigans there um and i i sympathize i i agree that it's not all about it's like so sort of decisions and impact per second per minute you know it's a game like how you feel about it definitely matters and the the best solutions i've seen are ones that involve it's like okay you either can't take more damage uh f- like uh than the initial minion that spawns from it so so for example if mm-hmm. coiler is a six right coiler is a six it spawns like four things because of baron um those four things added up can't deal more than six or another one that people have pitched is you can add all those stuff up that's fine but damage can't be more than the maximum damage that the person started off with on their board. So they started showing, let's say, 22 damage on their board, like before everything resolved. Okay, all the death row shenanigans can go off, and you can even count up to like 34 damage, but they started with 22, and we cap it there. That's also a more, quote, fair way to prevent these things. And I'm, I think both situations for me are, are are more than fair i'm i'm for like either of those yeah for sure just something it's just so silly when you watch it happen and you're just like well part of the game i guess yeah but i don't think it should be <laughs> all right so the final topic uh kind of hearthstone related kind of not but also a good opportunity to talk meta about podcasts because shady you have a podcast <laughs> with Educated Collins, correct? What is it? Tell us about it. Well, thank you. It's uh, pretty much a 100% Hearthstone Battlegrounds podcast. So, Collins and I, we just enjoy talking about the game, so we figured may as well do that in front of an audience. <laughs> it was uh, some inspiration from uh, some friends we have that also have a podcast, so yeah, that helped. 
Oh, wow. I wonder what nerds you took inspiration from. <laughs> but it, it must also feel good to talk about uh, a mode that they constantly update and care about. That's, that's pretty great. So uh, from your perspective, now that we're talking about not just Hearthstone, but podcast. What, what, what is your podcast called? Yeah, exactly. Right now, it's still just the HSBG podcast. So it a very generic name, but like it's... Open, open for change. I'm thinking of my cat. Muffin is expressing yeah. um, her her uh, approval or disapproval. I, I can't tell. I don't know what just, cat just dominance over the whole category yeah. of podcasts. Yeah, just asserting uh, But now yeah. that you are doing a podcast on your own, what, what has your experience been with podcasting? What's the podcasting meta, and how is it different than what you thought it would be? Or is it exactly the same? Uh, believe it or not, just nervous at the start. Uh, Collins as well were just like, all right, well, you know, I guess we're just, you know, it was like first two episodes or so. And then after that, it's just like, all right, just sit down and start talking. And it's like, oh, wait, it's been one and a half hour. Crazy, right? Like, how did this happen? Or, like right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just mm. It's so fun to just talk about something you just do all day. Right? We're just like, all right, just... Because there's so much knowledge that sort of accumulates over these hundreds of games that you're playing that you're like, oh, well, the meta is going to be over at some point. And then they're like, I'm not going to have shared all of that anyway. So it's it's really fun to just be like, great, what are we going to talk about right now? And just see how much you, you know, you can, you, you know, you prepare for the podcast, you have these talking points, but... A lot of the time you just veer off, you go more left, you go more right, you just, uh, you jump on something, you start talking about one thing, you end up in a different place. So I, I think that's probably been the most fun thing where some episodes you really have this, um, oh, we, we just really just started talking about this thing and it got very interesting. So do you guys have a scheduled time every week that you do this? Uh, yes, we record on Thursdays at 8 my time that's CEST so I'm not quite sure uh, what that translates to other time zones alright while you're finding that out this is uh, going to be a pitch from me if you guys listen to this podcast and you like BG content definitely hop over and listen to Collins and Shady's podcast if you want really super high tier BG analysis I used to be able to provide some of that. I can't nowadays. Adulta was um, a good questioner for some of the things <laughs> that we, we would explain. Uh, but even like me at my peak, like I can't compare with both Shady and Collins on top of their game explaining stuff. Also, a lot of guests. Like I know you guys had Slissa on. I know you guys had Hoppa Bear on. Uh, I might be missing people, uh, but you guys have a lot of other people who are just grinding it out so you have three like top bg minds just really figuring things out so definitely check it out guys if you like bg content uh you can get in from the from the ground level they're like just starting they don't have like 300 episodes that you probably shouldn't listen to but if you want to listen to it um yeah so make sure you you catch it so all right did you figure out the time conversion what time is it uh yes so for 8 p.m. CST, it would be 11 a.m. PST. All right. Excellent. Make sure you check that out. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, perhaps 
advertise about your podcast? Why is it so good? Why is it superior to every single podcast out there, excluding this one? Oh yeah, I'm glad you threw that in. That would have gone. Yeah, we're just. I I would say there's there's uh there's gonna be a healthy balance between. Um, well, Collins obviously has still a very very good analytical mind uh, about the game, but he likes to downplay it a little bit and just you know like Collins has more like the lighthearted approach for. Sometimes I can just start talking about a hero and just be like, all right, so on the five gold turn, we're going to be doing this. On the six gold turn, we're going to be doing this, right? So like the really nitty gritty, like uh, analytical approach. So there's there's a nice little balance in between that. And yeah, if, if you like the game, if you like either of our streams, it's, it's quite likely you're going to like podcasts as well. All right. Awesome. I think that's basically it for today. And of course, if you guys like Shady Bunny... You can find him at twitch.tv slash shadybunny, all right? Uh, and Shady plays a lot nowadays. I said this at the very beginning. I'll say it again, just in case you didn't listen to everything or you forgot. Shady, I think, is by far the person who explains the most and explains the best. I think there are a lot of people who play the game at a very high level, and it's hard to differentiate them, but it's very easy to differentiate Shady when it comes to explaining plays. Don't backseat though. He doesn't like that. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm warning you guys. <laughs> you guys. You guys know this if you've uh, if you haven't checked out his Battlegrounds content or his podcast, but uh, but you've checked out his arena stuff back in the day. Like even in the arena world, like back then, he would always explain every play, like even more than we. He's probably the only person that could say that about. That would explain the plays as he's doing them more so than what we would do on a on an average night. Yes. So I think that's it. Shady, any last words? Any uh, one you want to give a shout out to? I just thank you guys like for the very generous like you know highlighting the podcast, having me over. Just really appreciate it. It's been it's been super fun. Thank you. There you go. From from the poltronizer to twenty twenty one talking about BGs. What's gonna happen in like twenty twenty five? What what are we gonna what are we gonna talk about then? Who knows? Are are we even gonna? Uh, it's, it's cyclical. The poltergeist is coming back. <laughs> oh god! It'll it, it'll be it'll be about Diablo four, but the poltergeist is coming back. Shady's gonna have uh, the the vintage hair, the glasses. Oh man! <laughs> oh, the glasses. The glasses were the best part. Yeah, but that's it. If you guys are, I wonder how much how many of our listeners like hear the poltergeist and think oh yeah i know exactly what that was i, I wonder how much because that was that was before we had a podcast that was before the life force podcast the arena coop was existent but but not uh not the not the podcast yet not for another like six seven months okay yeah i, I still remember that like uh that ogre that had a 50 percent chance of attacking the wrong target oh, like murphs and i had like a deck with those that was yeah <laughs> Was that was great. Was and our epic uh, Gazrilla clip, that was good. Mm. That made the rounds. Yeah. Good old Gazrilla. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. Shady, thank you so much for coming on. And we look forward to uh, your BG content with Collins in the uh, weeks to come. And we'll have you back on. Who knows Who knows when, but it, it'll happen. Uh, that's it. Adwick to take us away. All right. Until next week, this is Adwick. This is Merp. See you guys.
Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week.